0: Are dreams just nonsense that our brains make up when we sleep, or is there something more to them? And are near-death experiences real, and if so, what evidence is there for them? And how exactly are these two topics related? Find out in today's episode. I'm Bailey
1: I'm Michael and I'm David
0: and welcome back to the Facing the Gates podcast. Welcome to yet another one of those grab bag episodes where we're just gonna talk about a lot of different things and they're hopefully going to relate. Um, so kind of uh, a trend with these recent episodes there um, to give a little bit of a backstory we actually had when we first started planning for the podcast we just wrote down a ton of ideas. Um, And then as time went on, we kind of solidified them more and organized them in a little bit better. And as we got closer to these episodes, we realized there were some that we just didn't have enough stuff to make an entire episode out of that one thing. So we've kind of merged them with with related topics and made them an episode still. And there, there are of course some that got canceled, but you know. That's that's for us to know and you to not find out. So anyway, today we're talking about dreams and near-death experiences, and we're gonna start off with dreams. Um, so it's it's obviously a subject of great debate. What are they? Do they represent anything, or as I put in the intro, uh, are they just some nonsense that your brain comes up with? What do you guys think?
1: I'm I'm kind of on the fence about dreams in general. I do believe that a lot of it is our brain's way of cementing our experience, which can lead to a lot of the crazy ones. But a part of me also believes that there is more, there can be more to it because there's some coincidences that are just too crazy to be coincidental.
0: So, spoiler alert. I think we have the kind of the same perspective on this.
1: I figured what
2: about we would.
0: You? Yeah, what about you, David? Well, you should expect
1: this from me, but fun fact, I don't remember 99% of my dreams. <laughs> it's cuz you're an atheist. <laughs> Got I me there. <laughs> but for for most of my life, for me, I never dream very much, but when I do, it's extremely vivid and terrifying. <laughs> hmm. But for me, I kind of fall into the realm of it's what our mind is processing both from like the previous day and the current day. And like what's happening when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, if you have a TV show, like you'll he- sometimes you'll hear like the TV show happening. You wake up and it's like, what was that? Look through your browsing history. You're watching, it's like King of the Hill. Yeah, and your brain like incorporates that into the dream. I th- yeah, I've had that happen. Bailey, have you ever had that happen?
0: I'm pretty. I'm sure I have. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, so David. Yeah. I guess the, the real question is like, you know, when we say, is there something more to it? Like, is there something more existential or supernatural about dreams? Um, because, you know, there have been cultures throughout history who have always thought that there's more to dreams that there's, you know, you've had dream interpreters for ever basically trying to figure out like what exactly is going on in your dream. And it's only until relatively recent history that we've been like, ah, it's actually just your brain firing off this chemical because of this and this and this. And we've explained it down to a science and kind of naturalized it to the point where, you know, we don't really believe that dreams are anything, but obviously that's, that doesn't encompass everyone. Everyone there's, there's a, it is a subject of debate because people still are like, well, I don't know if it's purely, yeah, a naturalistic phenomena, also, you might be describing the phenomena that is the reaction to something that is deeper,
1: and it's also that trying to understand the human brain as well, right? We're not gonna have that down, probably for humanity.
0: Yeah, as as we, Northlane said, I think, in their song Comatose, we're trying to understand the universe and world where we barely understand the universe within our own minds. <sighs>
1: Love North anyway, right there. We don't even understand what's <laughs> in the oceans. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so obviously this begs the question we've gotta ask. So let's talk about some dreams. Have you had any weird dreams? Have you had any dreams that you think might be something more? Are there any dream stories you'd like to share before we get into the whole dream discussion?
1: I have a big one. Oh boy. This is my first recollection of sleep paralysis, which for those of you who do not know, it is where the chemical in your body that keeps your body paralyzed is still flowing because that's a natural protective thing. When you don't have that, that's when you sleepwalk where your brain is unconscious, but the body is moving. It's kind of the inverse of that, where your brain's still dreaming and that chemical's still going, but a part of your brain, it, like your eyes are open and you're seeing your dream in real life. So.
0: Whack, dude. Is, is it give, like sleepwalking?
1: It's you're laid down on your bed, paralyzed, and watching your horrifying dream in front of you.
0: That's pretty epic.
1: The first recollection I have of this is probably the strongest I was
2: How long ago
0: was this?
1: It was in after we had moved to Myrtle Beach in eighth grade. I was laying in bed, asleep. I wanna say David was like on the Xbox or on a something like that. And I'm just laying there. And I have no recollection of before. No dream or anything before. But it's like I go to bed, snap my fingers, my eyes are open, and I see this figure standing over in the corner looking at me menacingly. And it looked like it had a face, but there was, like, no detail. It's kind of like a almost ghostly like type ghost thing. The ghost of
0: Christmas future or something.
1: And I'm not <laughs> sure if you guys... I know you guys have played Bioshock, but I haven't the part- actually. Oh, Sorry. you should. should Good game. The yeah. part where you break the chains off. Uh huh. There were like chains on my arms, and I was doing my best, like shout out to David, "Hey, help, 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 help! I don't know what's you happening. Couldn't. Get me out of here!" And I. It felt like I was screaming, but all David heard was, "Mm, mm, mm." and the only way I got out of the dream was I snapped the chains and everything came to normal, like back to reality. And I walked out of the room to my parents told them, we need to get the hell out of here because this place is haunted as hell. My dad told me, Eat you a Hot Pocket and go back to bed. And so I heated up a barbecue Hot Pocket and went back to bed. And that started, <laughs> that started a period of my life where I was sometimes terrified to go to sleep. And yeah, it also dude. opened the door to uh, false awakenings and loop sequences in my dream.
0: Oh, yeah. The- that is nuts. Oh, yeah. The
1: and- like false awakenings and like the loop where you get up out of bed, you start walking and it starts
0: back. Oh, yeah. Dude, those suck. Okay, so I used to, like, sleepwalk when I was really young. It's
1: such a cock tease.
0: Yeah, it's like you... It's kind of similar to what you were talking about, Michael, but, like, I would... There was every now and then... Well, there was... Okay, so, like, there's two separate phenomena. There was, like, one where I was sleepwalking and I wouldn't remember anything, but my parents would tell me about it, like, the next day. This is, like, when I was, like, five or something. And then there would be... Other times where I'm I know I'm asleep, but I can still perceive things and I'm awake and I'm like I see things. So like it, it was kind of like that thing that David was talking about where it's like you'll do this thing on loop forever and ever and ever and ever. And then you just forget about it. And then you wake up and you remember, oh, yeah, like that did happen. and Like you remember yeah. specific details about it happening.
1: Have you all ever I, that used to happen
0: right? when I was really young? Do I, and, no.
1: and it now. And have you ever lucid dreamed? Most, if not all, of the dreams I have now, and this is a mechanism to combat the terror of sleep paralysis and false awakenings and things, is most of my dreams are very lucid. Mm. Now, as of late, I've had a few where it's more like on rails kind of, but most of my dreams I say are. I'm a very lucid dreamer, very active in my dreams. And that's what allows me to bridge the shaky line at times of what is real and what's a dream.
0: Right. Yeah, a lot of my dreams generally tend to be like fairly what you would expect, like normal kind of dreams. I'll go through phases where I'll have like lots of dreams and then I'll go through phases where I won't remember any of them because, you know, you technically are dreaming a lot. You just it's whether or not you remember it. Um, but uh yeah, so on that topic, I had a very interesting dream story I'd like to share with you. Um, so and this is this is going to get very existential and deep. So prepare your butts for this one. Uh, So a few weeks before I moved, my mom sat me down and told me about her friend's dream. And I'm just going to quote it verbatim. Um, I got her to send me the screenshots of it so I don't screw it up. Um, This is my mom's friend speaking to my mom. And this is quote, "Um, I had a dream about a basketball game that you and I were going to and your mom, my grandma, showed up at my house to go with us. There was a bear in the house that ran out, and once he was on the ground, he had a baby blanket around him, and then he looked at us, and it was your son and a basketball jersey. Your mom was so happy to be with you, too, and kept saying she loves you, end quote. Now, for context, um, my grandma used to call me Baby Bear. Also, the jersey I was wearing in the dream was orange and white, which is Tennessee colors where I would end up moving continuing quote your mom was definitely there for something for your son i know she drove a long way to get to him she didn't say much but she wanted it to be known that she was there for him and she loves you very much she also asked me to be in prayer for him end quote and so this was a dream that i was told about um before moving and uh yeah it was very interesting
1: quick question. Okay. Was this before you knew you were going to move to Tennessee or this is was
0: after th- I knew? But I don't think anyone else knew. Okay, so I mean, so, I mean like my mom knew, but I don't think like our friend knew.
1: I love so, how crazy our brains are.
0: I well that's the kind of thing where it's like there's no way From my perspective, there's no way that was a natural phenomenon. Like, I genuinely believe that there was something supernatural going on there. Because there's, like... Why would my mom's friend, who I'm pretty certain hasn't even met my grandma, have a dream about her? And, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there was, you know, the weird dream stuff, like me being a bear in the house, but...
1: Which is pretty lit. Let's be honest. Being a bear <laughs> sounds pretty cool. Big
0: Bear but Bailey. Like, <laughs> but like breaking down, I guess the symbolism behind it, like, um, because that's how dreams work. Is they they use archetypes and symbols to kind of convey a message. And some, and a lot of the times we think like, oh, well, this is just nonsense because it's just a bunch of strange symbols that we don't understand. But like, if we can break down what those symbols are, then there might be actually a deeper meaning behind them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I fully
1: agree. I I like to see what dreams... You've seen stuff in the dreams some way, and with Facebook and whatnot, the internet, you've seen a lot more things, and your brain is just collaging a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it might not not be exact symbolism, but it's close enough.
0: I'm not denying that... um that your brain consolidates a lot of information when you sleep and compartmentalizes it and sometimes that manifests in dreams. But I do believe that which we'll talk more specifically about this as yeah. it goes on. It's it, I think there's kind of a blend between like a naturalistic phenomenon and also like a spiritual phenomenon and sometimes it's more one than the other. Um but just to I guess before we go on to clarify Basically, Michael kind of agrees with me on that perspective. David, are you saying that it's basically just natural brain chemicals? That there's nothing Not weird, s- uh, nothing special, nothing spiritual. It's just it's just drain, brain stuff.
1: Yeah, at least from what I've experienced, and I know you know. But yeah. as I say, I don't remember 99.9% of my dreams. Good right. question for you, David. Yeah, is that Without a shadow of a doubt, or is there still that possibility Lee, that
0: oh, like how confident are you in that belief? Yeah, could well,
1: could be something more. As I've said before, with things, it, there's a chance it could be, but at least from what I know, and my mind is like pretty much, because you know you'd be stupid to say you can't be wrong, and that that's why we need to get an even more edgier atheist on the show, Bailey. David is too agnostic of atheism.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he um what's the word? Um he doesn't he doesn't quantify like how certain he is. He's just like, Yeah, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> like, well is that questions? like 9 percent certain or is that like a sixty percent certain? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, but if we're all if we're all being honest with ourselves, we all accept that in life there's chances that we're wrong about certain things. Right. And I, I I appreciate that David's honest about that that there because, you know, we could get one of them edge lords are like hundred percent certain bro. 100%. I mean we can we go to Reddit or 4chan or YouTube and find one.
0: Oh yeah. They're in our comments sections.
3: I've seen it. Uh, anyway.
0: <laughs> uh anyway. Um I was gonna say oh yeah I wanted to ask you because you know this, this is not me using my dream it's not even my dream but the dream that I just explained I'm not using it as a weapon but how do you explain that how do you explain people that aren't in interactions with other people appearing in other people's dreams and somehow through st- sheer coincidence a lot of symbols lining up with reality. How do you explain that?
1: Well, say, with like, for example, her seeing your grandma, you said she probably didn't even, ha- never even met her.
0: Right, because my mom just got this job, like, a, a year ago, and my yeah. grandma passed away, like, close to a decade ago.
1: Yeah, well, let's say, like, they're friends on Facebook.
0: My mom and the friend? Yeah. Okay.
1: Because I've had this happen with a dream before, like, oh, yeah, this random person on Facebook, their relative, like, and my brain just like, oh, yeah, take them, put them in the dream. Now to explain something of that, not sure because I'm, I'm not a scientist with brain stuff.
0: How about like the part where, like, I'm moving to Tennessee? Yeah, and that was the color of the blanket or whatever. Like, how the orange (laughs) and white, orange and white
1: could be Clemson, and it you know, as unless it's explicitly doesn't have
2: a basketball team,
1: yes. Yes. Okay, I want to say there's like, yeah, I mean, yes, Clemson colors uh, are orange, purple, and white, but there's a bunch of things have orange and white for combination.
2: Mhm.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, so not I was just yeah, not correct. discounting
1: your interpretation because, you know, you could be right.
0: I could definitely be wrong, but that's how at least I see it. You know, I was just curious like, I mean, I'm not saying so It is I'm, weird. I'm not going to pretend yeah, like I'm not gonna pretend like I don't have a a dog in this fight. Like I obviously want my story to be true because that's way cooler. Yeah, but, definitely. But also, um, it's I think your explanation it still makes sense. Um, even yeah. if I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think it it can make sense. And anyway.
1: yeah, and it's the brain. Mm-hmm. Who knows exactly? Right. Yeah, consciousness. And the lack of consciousness is a very fickle thing that we still don't fully or ever will fully understand.
0: Yeah. So in ancient times, uh, dreams were viewed as symbolic prophecies of the future. Um, The Bible references this precedent in culture. So for example, in Genesis chapter 37, 40, and 41, Joseph, son of Jacob, yes, the coat of many colors. Uh, became a dream interpreter of sorts through the power of the Spirit of God, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. It's kind of the Old Testament prefiguration of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 37, he had several dreams where people bowed down to him. First, it was his family, then the sun, then the moon and stars. In chapter 41, after being exiled by his brothers who were jealous of him, he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh found Jacob to be an honest and holy man, so he promoted him to become the right hand of Pharaoh. In 4143, everyone was commanded to, quote, bow the knee, end quote. Similarly, in Daniel 2 and 4, Daniel was called upon to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Like Pharaoh in Genesis, King Nebuchadnezzar had called upon magicians and soothsayers to interpret his dreams, but to no avail. Finally, Daniel is called upon, who alone does not have any special sort of power, but ascribes the power to God to interpret dreams. The the king's first dream is good news, which is prosperity to the kingdom. And the second dream is bad news, which is destruction of the kingdom. And... These dreams eventually lead the king to praising the God of Israel. So obviously, you know, we can go on and on. We could talk about uh, revelation, which is like a dream vision. There's there's all kinds of precedent in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament of like dreams being seen as prophecy. And throughout history, you know, people have seen dreams as something more than just uh, a mental phenomenon.
3: Yeah. Oh, you go ahead.
1: Go ahead. And I can't remember the guy's name. It's falling short of me right this moment. But I want to say it starts with an N. You know, the uh, one that the History Channel's Nostradamus and his prophecies that were from dreamlike states.
2: I think... We could also talk about The Simpsons.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think the ish, the... Largest issue that is discrediting. To the idea that they are something more. Is. How do I put this nicely? All the people who. Want their dream to come to fruition. Who want to take it. At either a literal note. Or. Who are. Hyperbolizing. What they experience in their dream. And trying to the spider web connections where it could connect here, it could connect there, this. And I think a lot of that has to do with how we as a culture are very sensationalized in our way we interpret things. And I think that can take merit away from the idea that there is something more, even though I still fully believe there's something more. and you. Again, when you look at the Bible, uh, there's so many major points that do come from dreams and the real life implications that they gave. And then you look at someone like Nosodamus, who I want to say Adolf Hister and the time that that lines up is around the reign of the Third Reich. Mm -hmm. And granted, the last one wasn't true because it was, I want to say, they were trying to correlate it to. 2010s, and we're already past that. Could be wrong, but if I remember
2: correctly. How about you, David? Yeah, I mean... It's...
1: I think it, you're kind of going on like with, say, the problem with doomsay prophecies. So all... Wait, someone will always come up with one, and say someone could be right but it's been They'll discredited be right yeah but <laughs> <laughs> i mean jehovah There's witnesses been disc- have said five different dates yeah pinpoint dates and we're There's still been- here <laughs> due to all the kind of false prophets and everything it's been discredited as a possibility
0: yeah um so uh, t- just to kind of tie this back into something we were talking about in the last episode cuz michael mentioned people have a natural inclination when they have a dream to kind of explain it and want to know like, this means this and this means that. And yes, in some sense that does kind of discredit things when you're just so oversaturated with, with interpretations of dreams at the same time, it is just from a a bystander perspective. It is super interesting to see that people's natural inclination to having these dreams is to interpret them. It's super interesting to see that we are seemingly hardwired to find meaning in things
1: to figure out the unknown.
0: Right. And that that ties back into like, we're hardwired to find meaning in things, meaning in truth. And that kind of ties back into a lot of the things that we were talking about last episode that intuitively, like you want to find the good and true and beautiful in life.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's how we've came up with like, for example, in dreams, if like your teeth fall out or your teeth cracked. Oh, that happens all the time and I hate it. It's just, it's at least most of the time it's caused by too much stress in your life. Because I know like when a few dreams I remember and that happens like, oh yeah, these looking back super stressful times in my life. Oh yeah. I mean the the way I explain a lot of my uh sleep disorders is what the clinical term is. That's what sleep paralysis is, is, and it manifests in other ways. Most of the bad episodes of that were through very dark times in my life or very stressful times, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of delving into the unknown. Mm -hmm. And so I do think there's credence to that, and that our, uh, and for most of our dreams, our environment plays a large part into it.
2: Yeah, have and you guys it goes ever? Go ahead.
1: And it can help you kind of analyze like your mental state and everything by kind of looking into that as well. True. Like, have as guys, I said, the teeth and the stress.
0: Yeah. Have you guys ever had any um, reoccurring types of dreams? Like, we all the out. same type of dream. Sleep yeah.
1: paralysis, getting shot in the cheek, teeth falling out and the looping dream in the same house which i've never been in that house
0: yeah there there have been times i mean i haven't had any repeated dreams recently but like i remember when i was like in my young teens maybe i would have like um just the same kind of dream over and over again like where i would be at the same place investigating the same thing in the dream but doing it in a slightly different way and part of this is just indicative of the fact that I was playing too many video games so like I would be dreaming that I'm in Luigi's mansion but it's a little bit different and something's not right right um so there was a you know there was that dream there was a dream that I had where I was in like a a certain I don't even remember it was a certain building But like it was on fire and in the woods or something. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the specific details, but there was, there was similar, there were, there were archetypes of dreams that I would have over and over again. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going anywhere with that. I was just curious. Um, Oh yeah.
1: And to add on to that, that's why for me, a large thing that helps me with that and kind of attempt to wrap my head around it is learning how to lucidly dream where you know you're in a dream Mm -hmm. and so you're able to actually decide quote unquote what to do in the situation instead of just kind of being on rails and following whatever your instinct in that dream is or whatever you're you're set forth to do it takes like
0: I met a guy You guys might have known him. He was in middle school who would try and be like, I know how to control my dreams and I can teach you how to do it in five steps. It's like, you got to eat this and drink this. Then you got to sleep like this and you got to induce this. And I'm like, anyway, he's, he was an crazy, he was an insane person. But, um, I have heard that, that like you can kind of control your dreams if you do certain things. And I kind of want to figure out how to do it. Uh, Maybe I don't. Fair warning.
1: I, I, I actually tried that like around that same time because it's like, Oh cool. Yeah. And if you mess up, you can have sleep paralysis. Yeah. But you can also tell yourself, Hey, wake up and you just wake up. Yeah. And a lot of it for me was more of a coping mechanism to control the feelings that came from these experiences because we've all had that moment in our dream. where kind of, At the really back of her mind, it's like, I have to be dreaming. There's no way this is real.
0: Yeah. And then you can't wake up because you're like, I know I'm dreaming, but I can't wake up.
1: Yes. See, in my mind, it's I'm dreaming. I need to wake up now. I'm probably late for something. (laughs) Yeah. And what I do during those times is once I get that inkling in the back of my head, it's more being kind of self-aware and going, Michael. It's going to be okay. This is just a dream. This is just a dream. And you pinpoint certain things that you know for fact. Like on my bookshelf, I know exactly what books I have up there. If I go to it and I don't see those books or I see different books and I even know like certain arrangements of the books that I have. Right. That would signify to me that no one else has touched these my door is locked to my bedroom. This is a dream. Or even like pinching yourself. If you Mm -hmm. don't feel the pain and you're looking, you can go, okay, I'm dreaming. Things like that, that you have a good root in reality with. Like say, if you know a Bible verse, if you open the Bible and that verse isn't what you know it to be, you can go, okay, I'm dreaming or you open up a game and it's not what you remember. You can go, I'm in a dream. Let's, let's kind of dissect this a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, um,
1: or, you know, if like crazy, like one of the things that happens, like I get shot in the cheek,
3: Mm-hmm.
1: no blood, no, nothing in ironically, I'm drinking red Kool-Aid but for most of them, I have a cup of red Kool-Aid and I drink it, and it just goes out, and everyone acts like it's normal. That's weird. <laughs> and instead, in, instead of instilling that instilling that fear, mm-hmm. I'm able to go, okay, this is clearly a dream.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there was there was another type of dream that I would have. Well, not like a type of dream, but like there are times when I will just be very emotionally wrapped up in the dream. And I, th- I, I like, this is what I want to be real. And then I'll wake up and I'll still be feeling like what I felt in the dream. And I'm like, can I just go back to sleep like that? That's better than, you know. And you try going to go back to, to sleep work. and
1: it, it, it just don't work. Yeah. You're very much feeling the remorse of what could be. Yeah. Instead yeah. of what is. And not necessarily what could be, but what your brain has created the right. low escape. Mm-hmm. And also, have you guys ever had any physical feelings that lead up to a type of dream? Like in the process of falling asleep?
2: Maybe. Uh, be a
0: little bit more specific. Because uh, okay. maybe.
1: Usually, when I have, you know, the false awakening, sleep paralysis, or just terrible dreams. I get this feeling of uh, that my body is either sinking fast or rising rapidly. And it's like this vibration on my body. And then I get uh, like the worst tinnitus you can imagine. Like both your eardrums are blown out tinnitus. Mm. And my head feels like it's being squeezed. And that's how I go, okay, I'm about to have a... An episode of sleep paralysis. Either I can wake up now or I can go ahead and deal with this and get it over with. And it's through those physical, what feels like physical symptoms manifesting themselves that I'm able to kind of have more control of my emotional experience and able to wake up without running out of my room. I'm still terrified. Don't get me wrong. It still looks scary but I'm able to remind myself again, this is just a dream. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. Yeah. I mean, I've had like, say like the tinnitus, like whenever I'm really tired, but I, with me, I'm like, I don't remember most dreams. It's like, okay, I'm getting some good sleep. (laughs) Or there's a weird little phenomenon. I forget what it's called, but I've, Experience it where, like, you're almost asleep, and you hear like a big explosion in your head, mm-hmm. and you wake up and it's like, damn it, so close to sleeping.
0: Yeah. But the and, like
1: kind of heaviness, that sinking feeling, I felt that sometimes, like, right before I wake up instead of when I go to sleep. Yeah, this is always in the middle zone between attempting to go to sleep and REM sleep this is always that bridge to a negative experience
0: yeah so I don't think I want to say that like I might have had similar this is going to be a very vague answer but I feel like I think I've had similar experiences but those symptoms aren't the same for me it'll be like a certain time of night when I'm like kind of in between levels of sleep and i know like i'm about to go into a deeper sleep and there will be times when i i just kind of instinctively know like i'm about to go into a dream like so, even sometimes like if i wake up in the middle of the night for a second and then i go back to sleep and then i fall back into that dream um so i mean like there there are sometimes things like that where i can kind of get like a sense like a dream's about to happen well, but i don't know like if it's necessarily. Yeah, it's kind of like a sixth sense instinct, not necessarily like a physical reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so just back on topic, uh, wrapping up this one. Uh, Ever since the Enlightenment, dreams have been minimized as purely naturalistic uh, psychological phenomenon. Dreams aren't prophecies. In fact, a naturalistic Enlightenment belief system doesn't contain prophecies and views them as superstitious. Instead, dreams are merely a product of your brain chemistry organizing your thoughts while you are sleeping, which is what we were talking about before. That being said... What exactly is happening when you are dreaming is still debated today. Some people still believe in the ancient view of dreams, namely that there is more to dreams than mere brain chemistry. Others are more hard-nosed about it and dismiss such a belief as superstitious. We've kind of we've already talked about this a little bit, obviously, but as we are wrapping up the part on dreams, what do you think about these two? Do you think it's more of a brain chemistry thing? Do you think it's a dream do you think it's like a prophecy type thing what do you what do you think
1: with with my experience of dreams i'd say for the most part for you know let's i'm going to add a number so to get an idea let's say 90% of your dreams is just your brain's way of recollecting and kind of filing everything away in In that you have an experience. I'd say the other 10%. There is. Merit. That there's something more there. Whether we know it or not. And it's hard. To say. Especially when it comes to something as. Fickle as the brain. A hundred percent. Without a reason of a doubt. To me. That. It is. But I believe. That. Most of our dreams are probably just chemicals going away, but the other parts, there's something more to that, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. little a, little b, I, I don't think every dream's going to be something more to it or an experience or, you know, because we don't even remember all our dreams. Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, David?
1: You, you know where I land, it's all,
0: all natural. There's no supernatural, this new supernatural does not exist. I'm David, I hate everything. That's what you're saying, There's say, no right? sugar in his tea. <laughs> well, I don't hate everything, but... You hate it, most things.
1: No, no, I, I like a lot of stuff. Oh, uh, really? There's a lot of stuff to enjoy. Okay. But yeah, but pretty much, <laughs> it, it is. I see it as like... The brain kind of collaging stuff. Handling different stresses or... And stuff like that. Or sometimes it's just completely random. Teeth falling out. Yeah, stress. Jumping off a building. I don't know about that one. (laughs) Or like the weird tinnitus or body falling asleep. False awakenings.
0: Okay, well... Uh, again, we've we've probably all answered this question at least once in this episode. But as far as like, is it like a supernatural thing or is it like a brain chemistry thing for me? Por qué no los dos? I think I'm still kind of developing my opinion, uh, but I don't I think it's kind of a false dichotomy to say it's either one 100 percent uh dreams aren't either a prophetic or naturalistic phenomena i believe they can be both the neurons firing in your brain while you're dreaming may just be the material explanation of what is going on in a spiritual sense uh that all being said i don't believe that every dream is prophetic i just believe that it's possible for them to be this is what explain the deja vu type scenarios we often find ourselves in for example so as far as like michael put a percentage on it Like David was like 0% spiritual. Michael was like maybe 10% spiritual. I think he said like 90% is probably just your brain just firing, doing random stuff. As far as like a percentage for me, it's hard to pinpoint, but I would say anywhere between like 60 and 80% of it is probably just your brain doing random weird stuff. But that's also difficult to quantify because maybe your brain's just doing you know, weird stuff, but there is still a deeper meaning to it that you're just not picking up. And yeah, so
1: And it could also hard be, to quantify. You had a prophetic dream and your brain just didn't
0: remember it for some reason. Yeah. Or you just didn't pick up on it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of
1: nuance. There's a lot it's of not options binary there. or you picked up right. a little too much on it. Like some people do.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And I also believe that you can have a little segment of a dream that is something greater than the rest of it, It's just normal bullshit. You know, Yeah, because it can be masked
0: in just, like, a bunch of nonsense, and then there's something in there that's, like, gold that is super deep and actually has meaning, but because you're surrounded by a bunch of nonsense, it's kind of like going to school, honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a uh, quick question, since you did mm-hmm. bring up the deja vu, do you have any uh, deja vu moments that really stick with you through dreams?
0: Um Okay, so I I would be able to tell you them after they happened, but they're gone from my memory. They're just not in the ram of my brain, honestly. So, I mean, like, yes, I've had things that have happened that I'm like, this definitely happened. I know this has happened, but uh, I don't have any off the top of my head that I can tell you.
1: David, do you have any? Even if it's just pure coincidence? Well, David doesn't
0: dream because he's an atheist. (laughs)
1: Not mainly. It's like when I'm stressed, I remember like my teeth falling out or like the looper dreams. Haven't really had, at least from my recollection, any like. Interesting dreams, I guess you could say.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, well, you guys know how bad my general memory is, right?
0: Very. Uh, Yes.
1: This is a dream that has stuck with me since elementary school.
0: Oh, boy. Here we go.
1: I have only been stung by a bee, wasp, hornet, flying, stinging thing one time in my life. Mm-hmm. and It was right here to the right of my trachea Oof. on my neck. I was uh-huh. stung by a bee that was hit from a pear onto me and it got caught in my shirt. I hate bees. Love bees.
2: But I hate them. I'll tell you why after, but go ahead.
1: And the oh, the week before that, I had a dream where I got stung by a bee. Now, granted, multiple times, in the neck, and the pain was excruciating. Which we've all been stung before. We've all been stung, right?
0: I haven't actually.
1: Okay. Wow. David's been stung a couple times. Several times. And mostly it is, by wasps. It's not a pleasant feeling. It's pumping. Poison into your body. It's yeah. supposed to hurt. Right. Well, as I described, it's like getting zapped with electricity in the feeling. It yeah. doesn't really hurt very, as very much, much as it shocks you. Oh, I don't. It, getting shocked by electricity and getting stung hurts. And the feeling was the exact same as I remember when I threw my hand on my neck and caught the bee in my shirt and just feeling that throbbing pain was the exact same from the dream to reality.
0: Mm, that's cool. So that's you had a prophetic dream about getting stung.
1: In the neck. <laughs>
2: that's the awesome.
0: The neck. I've that's only been st- awesome.
1: And it wasn't even my fault. Literally, uh-huh. if two geniuses weren't hitting rotting pears with a golf club while we were playing volleyball, I would have never been stung.
0: Yeah. So well, it's
1: kind of crazy
0: the reason I don't like bees is because well there there's two instances one I just walked out in the morning and there was a bunch of bumblebees like in the grass and it terrified me as like a three-year-old and then I ran inside <sighs> uh, and then there was another time I was a little bit older but I was I heard something buzzing and like it was coming towards me and just kind of out of instinct I went like this like my hand towards my ear and somehow managed to catch a bee in between my hand and my ear, and it's just buzzing, fluttering around my ear, and I freaked out, and you know, I let it go, and I've just, I don't like bees, so I don't know if it has to do because of of those things, if I was traumatized or what, but I'm not a fan of like buzzing things. I don't like hummingbirds. I mean, I don't mind looking at hummingbirds, I can stand looking at a hummingbird. I don't like listening to a hummingbird. A bees, I don't like looking or listening to them at all. Oh,
1: bro, I've pet bees. I've saved bees out of poles, and like I've literally pet them. They're nothing to worry about. Now wasp and hornets, you run as far away as possible. Far away as possible. Yeah. Far away as possible. Hey, Actually, I, got- I lied. I've been stung twice but only one time by a bee. The other was a wasp, and I got stung in the booty. Yeah, wasp, yellow jacket. <laughs> I got stung in the hand, and it ended up, I got stung while doing did lane, kind of landscaping, lawn hair, stuff like that, and I, my hand naturally clenched, so I'm just squishing a, a stinging yellow jacket on my hand and trying to mm. pry my hand open.
0: Ow, yeah, I, I don't like bees, so I stay away from them, so I've never been stung. It's pretty amazing. To
1: state how strong that memory was, literally the second time I've been stung, I was supposed to come hang out with you and David, Oh yeah. and that was recent, that and I totally forgot about that. <laughs> That's yeah. how non-powerful that was, but how powerful that dream and the correlation to real life was.
0: Okay, well, let's get off of the B topic. Um, so let's wrap up here on the, the dreams thing. Is there anything else we have to say on dreams before we segue into near-death experiences? Because uh, they're sort of related, but it's, it is going to be a little bit of a... It's a new thing we're talking about. So let's wrap up on the dreams.
1: Uh, essentially, I, as i said, I do believe there is something more to them. And I've had too many coincidental experiences to not believe there's something more to them. Mm -hmm. And I will stand on that soapbox until I die.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I think I agree. It's just like, there's something more to dreams. I just don't know. I I don't. And this is going to be like a non answer for a lot of people. Like, is there something more to dreams? Like, yes, what it is. I don't know. I can't, I, I can't pinpoint it. It's one of those unknown things. Like I do believe there's more to dreams. I don't know how much of our dreams are like, actually like a spiritual thing um versus how much of it is like you know a naturalistic thing um yeah a lot of it is unknown but it's like a little bit of both for me and then david's just like no it's it's just a stupid thing your brain does right
1: uh, i mean it kind of it's not necessarily stupid but it is Weird, There's no greater purpose strange. to it. He's ninety nine point yeah. nine nine percent. Well, sure. at least in a spiritual sense, I think it can be a good indicator for stressors or different things going on in your life and let you right. know.
0: But obviously, you don't think the spiritual realm exists, so that might yeah. be skewing your judgment as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Every man's But then
0: again, we believe the spiritual realm exists, so maybe that's skewing our judgment. What do you? Every man's yeah, not
1: right. well out their <laughs> bias but yeah. we we accept that and we create try
0: to judge accordingly upon it. right okay cool all right so let's talk about near death experiences um by definition a near death experience aka an nde uh happens to someone who is clinically dead or unconscious oftentimes without a heartbeat or measurable brain wave or any measurable brain waves during this experience the conscious mind lives on Despite the inability of the body to facilitate the functions during these experiences sight, sound, movement, thoughts, feelings, etc. And these experiences are retained when the individual comes to. NDEs are often cited as empirical evidence for the soul and as a refutation of the naturalist claim that the human mind is reducible to mere matter. To start out this part of the talk, what do you believe about near-death experiences? I know we kind of had a little bit of a miscommunication on what a near-death experience was. But now that I've defined it, have you heard of any of near-death experiences and if if so or if not, what do you think of them?
1: I have heard of them and I'm kind of on the same branch about near-death experiences as I am about uh
2: dreams that
1: I feel there's something more to them. Maybe not all of them, but there is something more.
2: Okay. What about you, David? Well, don't know, awfully
1: too much about near-death experiences, but kind of as Michael, kind of just the brain pro with near-death experiences, brain processing, uh. Say traumatic event, and kind of like even though the body isn't fully conscious, your body still picks up stuff. Like I know there's comatose patients that still hear stuff, mm-hmm. or they'll have their eyes open for even a few seconds and take that in, and the brain uses that. Yeah. So what? Some people I know near-death experiences are like just nothing. And Mm -hmm. then for some people, there's say they see themselves in the room above everybody. Like one person
0: got stung by a box
3: jellyfish. jellyfish.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm glad you answered that way because I knew you would. And so I've got some I've got some good ones for you here. Um, But before we get into it. Uh, and this might have been prior to the miscommunication, but Michael has apparently had a near death experience. Can you tell us what that's like That was like?
1: Well, I'm probably had, gonna
0: use a different like yeah, you mean something I haven't different had by
1: one in that definition, but I have had situations where I should not be here talking to you guys,
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I've been hit by 480 volts of electricity through a main power line, which, if you guys know enough about electricity, that's more than enough to off you. Real quick. Most people, there's no coming back from that. It's sheer luck if you survive. I've also been shot at enough times and looked back and seen where the bullet barely missed me. And so, to me, that's kind of what that is. It's more of a, uh, not a near death in the traditional sense, like that definition. No, so
0: what you're, I mean, technically, yes, you're not wrong. Like that is still a near death experience. Like you technically were near death, but life flashing before your eyes. The the near death experience phrase is also a clinical term to explain, like, or to to describe an unknown experience that happened when someone yeah. is clinically dead, basically being,
1: being dead and then not being dead. Right. Yeah. And cool. I, I think that was more of just miscommunication.
0: Okay. Well, but I,
1: I do have stories about other people's in
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad you're not dead. Um, glad you're here oh, to I, talk.
1: <laughs> I'm extremely grateful to
0: be here. Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple cases of near-death experiences. I have, I think about seven or so. Um, so here are some verified cases of near-death experiences. And by verified, I mean they have all been verified by all the parties involved to be true and to have really happened. The reason this is significant is because they are not merely claims made by an individual crackpot or something. They are verified and proven to be legit, Written about in scientific and academic journals. If you want, uh, for example, you can look up the Journal of Near Death Studies, which is the only peer reviewed journal specific to the topic. There are literally hundreds of these cases, but I have about seven for us to look at today. So, the first one um, a woman is unconscious and she is in an operating room having surgery performed on her. She has a near-death experience, leaves her body, and is able to look down at her body below her. There's a very tall medical device that is above her body. The device is so tall that you can only see the top of it if you go up to it with like a ladder or something. On top of this device is a 12-digit code, likely an ID number or something. She has OCD, so she instinctively memorizes the code. When she came to, she gave the nurse the code. The nurse then got someone to grab a ladder, check the code on the device and was able to verify that the numbers the patient gave were correct. This woman would have had no way of knowing what that code was had she not have been had she not have had this out of body experience. So there's one of them. What do you guys think about that? Just first
2: impressions.
1: Again, it's kind of like with the dreams, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: where I do believe there could be something more, but who am I to say there is or isn't, because I didn't experience that, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but I
1: won't know until, you know, the end, or if I have an experience like that, which, Lord, don't give me an experience like that, (laughs) that sounds (laughs)
2: terrifying. All right. What about you, David?
1: Uh, Well, pretty much thinking about, like, was she, for example, in the hospital beforehand?
2: Anyone she was she, in the medical
0: room, like in, in the operating room. Well,
1: like, before
2: all that. And, like, people she knows.
1: stuff, Little stuff like that. Because, who knows, she could, her husband could work and maintenance that for all we know not saying that's the case, but kind of things because, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you could hear a weird little conversation, memorize that, hear that code. And if you're OCD about it, uh not kind of thinking about, it, remember that
2: we're or like, if you're un, under
1: and someone's talking, you might pick that up mm-hmm. and kind of weird stuff like that. Like I said, what. The comatose patients—they hear the TV, they see something—but yeah, that's don't exactly have an explanation for that. We just mm-hmm. don't know the full circumstances.
0: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, technically, you're right. There could be information that we don't know, but that is the thing about these cases—they have been verified by everyone involved that, like, these have been. These all of these people involved in, in the claims of this case have been verified to be telling the truth. Um, so yeah, technically that is possible. There's technically, you know, some things that that you know maybe could account for that. Um, but also, this is just one case when we yeah. combine this with the other cases that I'm going to be telling you. And also, these are just the best cases I found. There's like I said, hundreds of them. So it it, it kind of adds up, but I'm going to go into the next one and talk about that one and we'll talk about it. Um, so the second one is um, a man was having surgery performed on himself during this near death experience and was able to watch the surgery be performed on himself. He drifted into another room and witnessed a man have his leg amputated later when he came to, he was able to give a detailed description of the leg amputation procedure the doctors didn't believe him. So he then gave them the details and that only the doctor would know. So, like, for example, who was in the room, if the pen had fallen from the doctor's shirt, etc. Um, how would you how would anyone know that?
1: The the kind of fly in a room
0: details. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I don't know if you have any reaction to that. I can go to the next one if you want, but.
1: I'll, I'll let you keep going. If I think of anything, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> okay, so the third one is, um, well, sometimes near-death experiences can actually be quite funny. Uh, while a woman was having surgery done on her, she has an out-of-body experience and leaves the operating room and goes to the waiting room to see her family. Um, when she came to, she was able to report who was there, what they were wearing, what they were doing, what they said, etc. Things someone who is unconscious obviously should never be able to know. For example, one family member was pacing and said, well, she's going to kick the book and she better hurry up because I have a meeting in one hour. She confronted this family member and asked if he really said this and he was caught red handed and the entire family was a witness to this. So there's what another one. What a dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I can say is what an asshole. No, I mean, if, you, if you're going to do it, make it quick. I got somewhere to go. I got to no, catch myself I, off. I, that depends on context, because as we say, like, one of our family members is late to everything. They'll be late to their own funeral.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. But, uh, but still, no.
1: that's, that's a real dick move right there. Yeah. 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 But might have known that they're a dick, and that would be something
0: they would say. Right. True. Uh, Number four. uh, A woman died and was pronounced dead. She had a near-death experience and was floating above her body. The scrub nurse puts a sheet over her body and cleans the room. A medical doctor comes in, closes the door, and begins, quote, doing things with the nurse that the medical doctor should not be doing with nurses, end quote. The woman who was having an out-of-body experience saw the entire thing and when she came to, she reported the doctor and had him turned in.:
2: What Michael's making faces pervert. in the
0: camera, but no one sees it, so yeah no anyway, one will. It's not important. That's <laughs> Just let's,
1: why, let's keep doc, moving. That's why doctors Scott <laughs> check if her brain dead.
0: But she was dead. She was like actually dead. She was clinically dead.
3: Well, we've
1: obviously seen that clinically don't mean shit sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. There's when people who've clinically dead and came back alive in the morgue.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, number five. A nurse is getting off work. She changes into a dress and puts puts on a pin she borrowed from a friend. Suddenly, there was an emergency call on the intercom, so she rushed into the operating room to help the patient who needed to be resuscitated. The next day, the patient speaks to this doctor and recounts that she was the only one in the room with a dress and asked her about the pen she was wearing. Again, this individual should not have known these things, much less be able to identify who the doctor was when they were out cold, unless naturalism were false and we actually have souls. All right, I'm going to move on to number six and then we will take a brief intermission to actually talk about some of these because number seven is really big. Uh, number six is uh, a person is virtually dead in the hospital, no heart activity, no measurable brain, measurable brain waves, and has an out-of-body experience. They go up to the ceiling of the hospital and see a shoe on the roof. When they came to, they told someone about it, where exactly it was, what color it was, the brand, et cetera. And they went up to the roof, and sure enough, there was the shoe. All right, what do you was guys think? Was a nice shoe? I don't remember. I don't know the exact oh, details, but um, what are you guys' thoughts so far on the near-death experiences? We'll go into number seven, and then and then we'll kind of conclude the near-death experience stuff. But yeah,
1: I mean, I've I've read and. Had people tell me similar things, and I'm still kind of where I stand on it.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't deny that there can be something more to it. I believe sometimes there is, but there's some details that, like when we were talking about dreams, that uh, some some details could come from outside because it's obvious they weren't dead because. They are current. They may be clinically dead, but there's still something there because they're working on the person.
3: Right. Yeah, kind of reminds there, me. Like,
1: there's a difference between clinical death, brain death, and actual death. Actual death is when, you know, if we push it down, brain death is where everything else is working, and clinical death is just a representation to say that this person's dead.
0: Yeah, but if people don't have brain measurable brain waves or heart waves, then why would they be experiencing anything why would they be experiencing things at all? Is the first question. And the second question is why would they be experiencing things that they shouldn't be able to know that have actually been verified to be true.
1: Yeah. And I'm, that's why I'm still
2: processing. Mhm. Because okay. it's
1: it's one of those things where you can't really quantify necessarily,
2: it's kind of abstract phenomena. Mm-hmm. It's
1: not a physical phenomena that we can experience ourselves without, you know, going through dying, and then crossing our fingers and hoping that oh shit, I hope I make it out of this one it's 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 like true the it's like the the question what happens after we die obviously in the judeo-christian mindset you go to heaven but you don't really know the exact process if that makes sense Mm -hmm. because you could wave to your body by and go on up or there could be you know you just snap your fingers and you're at the gates we don't know you can't really physically quantify that that's more of something you have to experience to experience Mm
3: -hmm. yeah like
1: love hate we can explain those emotions but unless you experience them it's just words but i i do believe that again there is something to these but it's hard to wrap your head around
0: all right so i'll go ahead and give you the last one it's a little bit longer um But if the others didn't impress you, this one will. Um, A seven-year-old girl drowned and had no heartbeat for 19 minutes and no measurable brain activity. In the emergency room, a doctor attempts to resuscitate her. They were unable to bring her back, so they put her in the ICU. Three days later, without any further attempt to revive her, she just woke up. When the doctors who tried to resuscitate her came in, she said, You're the doctor that saved me. Thank you. And then she asked, where's the guy with a long beard? So the doctor brought in the other doctor that she was referring to. They sat, talked with her and took notes for one hour. She was able to draw a picture of the emergency room, show exactly where everything was placed. And then she described what the doctors did to try to revive her. She also claimed an angel named Elizabeth came to her and took her to her house where she saw her family. She was able to talk about what her little sister was doing, what her little brother was doing. She said her dad was in the recliner and her mom was making dinner, etc. The doctors are taking notes of all of this, and then when the family comes into the hospital to see their daughter, they ask to verify what the girl had told them, and sure enough, everything she said was true and happened two days prior. So this girl who's dead, like knocked out for three days, is able to tell you what her mom made for dinner two days ago at a different place Among other things so that was probably my the most impressive one that I came across.
1: yeah I, and I, I understand why that would be impressive, but there's always possibility we are creatures of habit
0: And okay. what do you mean so
2: so
1: we all have our our routines, right?
3: Mhm.
1: We you, we make there's only a list of so many things we cook for dinner for say. We're not trying a new thing every day. We're not sitting in a new chair every day. There's only so much we as we can do within the confines of our lives. So, granted that is a fucking Appraiser mind she brought
0: in mind leftovers. blowing thing. Pretty certain she brought in leftovers of the food that she had cooked a couple of days later, or prior.
1: Yeah, but there, and I'm not discrediting it, but there is, all humans are creatures of habit. We have our cycles, we have our uh things that we normally do. And so, granted that is mind-boggling, and I think there's more to that, but playing devil's advocate... There's only so much we as humans do on a normal basis. If that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Taco say what, your red dress and your fuzzy slippers? Or David and his mac and cheese or potatoes. Flip a coin. <laughs> Flip a coin, David. Which one is it tonight?
0: Neither. Because it's not Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Oh, what are, what are you actually eating tonight then, David, if I may ask? That's not <laughs> potatoes. Or mac and cheese, a pizza.
3: (laughs) Well,
2: first I'm eating
1: eating some nice good sleep, and
2: then I'll wake up and cook my pizza. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sell
1: that short, but I uh, always got to play devil's advocate sometimes. Mm -hmm. That makes sense,
0: right cool well I definitely encourage you guys if you're curious to look up uh look into more of these near death experiences there's there's gonna be a lot of them that are kind of bunk but if you look in that journal i mentioned um these are the ones that have actually been verified um from my from my perspective obviously near death experiences are direct evidence that naturalism is false and points to the conclusion that life continues on in some form after death after natural death the fact that these have been verified and published in scientific and academic journals very seriously adds to their credibility and the sheer number of them that have been that have occurred makes the burden of proof for the naturalist to disprove them so improbable it's virtually worthless to even try Kind of like we were talking about way back when with the paranormal stuff, like you just have such a high burden of proof to say everything that everyone has ever found is false. That's a pretty tall order. So when it comes to like near death experiences as well, I've heard of a number of people that have um, had actual near death experiences, but they felt uncomfortable explaining them to me. Um, so there, there were going to be like one or two other ones that I would have had on here that from people I actually know, but they just didn't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Now, quick question for both of you guys. With your beliefs on near-death experiences, what would you say to the people who were clinically dead? You know, again, no heart, no brain waves, that experienced just the void what would you take from that? Because they didn't
0: are, have a near-death experience, basically? Or
1: it, they were clinically dead and it was all just a void.
0: Okay, well, you have to describe what you mean by that. Like, they, mm. they had a conscious experience of nothing, or they well, just didn't have a conscious experience at all?
3: They
1: were dead and they experienced and that was nothing. It. They were dead, that they, was it. Yeah. And then they come back. Well, if they experienced
0: nothing, then they didn't have a near-death experience. Okay. I, I'm not. I I don't have a. I don't have it down to a science like how and when and why people have near-death experiences. All I know is that they do happen. So I mean, obviously, okay. people will be in similar situations, and some people will have them, some people won't. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that the opposite is true. If someone doesn't have a near-death experience, is yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. So I've know okay. like one or two people that have had that have been like pretty much dead and nothing they just
2: basically dead snap come back
3: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah and that's that's to be fair i think that's most people like most people don't have near-death experiences or if they do it's like dreams and they don't remember it yeah
1: okay because one thing that i've noticed in looking at people's near-death experiences is for some people, th- the lack of one is where they fall out from their theological beliefs, because they go, "Oh, I was, I was dead, dead. Like, the doctor was amazed that I came back, and I saw nothing. So, therefore, if that makes sense, because a lot of some people do fall out from religion after not experiencing near death experience." A not experiencing something like that being clinically dead.
0: Right. And I mean, on some level, like that's understandable, but you, that's trying to put God and spiritual experiences in a box into where uh, specifically a box that things aren't neatly tidied into. We don't really understand why people have near death experiences when they have them. We don't understand why the paranormal exists or, or what there's just a lot that we don't understand why it happens and we don't have it down to a science as to to induce things to happen in a certain way um because these are spiritual realities we can't control them they are not we are not in control of those things there's something higher namely god that is in control of those things not us so we can't be surprised when you know, we do a scientific experiment on a near death experience. And then we can, like, we try and do a science experiment on God. Like it doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? So that, yeah. that's kind of where I would stand on that.
1: Yeah. I was just more so wanting to pick your brain on that. And yeah, that's something we can't really test or experiment on. Cause first it's fucked up. Like, yeah, we're going to kill you. We'll try to bring you back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there would be ethical problems with that. Unless it's open and heart. Surgery. Logistical
1: problems too. First of yeah. all, okay. Hospitals are expensive. Doctors really expensive. Well, at least where we live. And I don't most people aren't gonna be like, sign me up. Yep, i I'm willing to do that. Actually, there was supposed to be a medical study that did that, but it got super, On your death experiences. Well, N- not quite, but bringing someone basically to death and reviving them.
0: Mm, yeah. Let's just I can say imagine a- there might be problems with that. Yeah, most people a with a
1: sound mind, let's put it <laughs> that way, most people who can legally sign a document to give consent are not going to volunteer for that. Yeah. And yeah. second of all, it is morally reprehensible.
0: Unless you're Third in an emergency
1: all, or having open heart surgery. If you're in a hospital you better be alive
0: <laughs> yeah all right well i guess just to kind of wrap up uh, and, and tie these two topics together because they may seem like they're not super related but both dreams and near-death experiences are a sort of supernatural spiritual experience uh, dreams seem real when you're having them and near-death experiences are inexplicable under a naturalistic materialist worldview Oftentimes people who claim to have NDEs claim it is more real than real life. Both occur while in a non-conscious state, and near-death experiences occur despite a lack of measurable heart or brain activity. What are we supposed to make of these phenomena? And to me, the obvious conclusion leads to the belief in something more than naturalism. I mean, you could go a number of routes with with just this isolated episode but if you build it off of other things that we've talked about it seems more plausible um to believe in god
1: yeah and that that's not to say don't take some of these things without a grain of salt because there are people who will oversell or create falsely over dreams right. yeah over that's the word i was looking for so always take these things with a grain of salt but you know just think about it form form your thoughts on it let us know
0: yeah um i drew these specific um near death experiences from a researcher named dr gary habermas who is like a world renowned christian near death experience scholar um and so there's a couple links in the in the show notes if you guys are interested you can check out more um more details on the the top the near-death experiences I brought up in this episode as well as more of his work. Um if you're just curious and want to go down that rabbit hole. Um but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh this has been a a fun, interesting episode to to talk about.
1: Oh, most most indubitably sir Most indubitably.
0: It's been very good. Very, um, really,
1: really good. I am out of tea sir.
0: Yeah, I need to get some water. So anyway, um, shoot us your questions. If you have any questions relating to this topic or topics we've covered in the past, we're going to do a Q and a episode hopefully coming up. So definitely shoot us your questions to facing the gmail at gmail.com and also um, like comment and subscribe on the YouTube and share it with your friends and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at FacingTheGates. the gates and give us a five-star review, and that's it. That's, I think that's all the maintenance that I need to cover. Special thanks to Pastor Trent for giving me some pointers when it came to writing the content of this episode. Kind of hit a roadblock at a certain point, and he was like, just do the thing that you're telling me that you should do. And so I did, and then now you've just heard the episode. It's do great. it. You should do it. Anyway, uh, next time, we're gonna we're going to talk about... Aliens and
3: ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Aliens?
0: Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So, uh, (sighs) yeah, it's been real.
1: It's been fun.
0: It's been real fun.
1: truly has.
0: Okay.
2: We'll see you guys next week. All right, see ya.